Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April 22nd edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled against a claim filed by a nurse with a latex allergy. Here's what happened in the unpublished decision of Janet Anderson versus Catholic Healthcare West. Janet Anderson worked at Medical Center Reading as a registered nurse and later as the OR data coordinator after she had suffered a back injury. In 2005, she experienced itching all over her arms and torso that were consistent with an allergic reaction. She was given a test for sensitivity to latex. Before the results of the test were known, Anderson was called to a meeting with her supervisor and told her position of OR data coordinator was being eliminated as part of a reorganization of the OR. At no time during the meeting was Anderson's allergic reaction or possibility that the reaction was caused by latex exposure discussed. Anderson then applied for and obtained a position as a circulating nurse in the outpatient surgery center. Later, it was determined that Anderson's symptoms were related to latex sensitivity. After another reaction to latex, she continued to be reactive at work. Anderson stopped working and filed a workers' compensation claim relating to the allergic reactions. Anderson developed allergic reactions to latex in non-hospital settings and to such products as automobile tires, furniture, food products, and food packaging. She was found to be sensitive to foods handled by food workers wearing latex gloves and to latex on chairs and seats in movie theaters and restaurants. Her physician wrote that Anderson remains unemployable outside of her own home, which she has purposefully made latex-free. Later, he released her to transitional modified work, full-time depending upon the location, with no exposure to latex products. Efforts were made by the employer to locate work, but she could not be returned to any other clinical locations within or outside of the hospital proper due to possible latex exposure. Anderson then filed a civil action alleging discrimination claims under the California Fair Employment and Housing Act. After a court trial, judgment was entered in Mercy's favor and Anderson appealed. The Court of Appeal affirmed the judgment in favor of the employer. The court said that Anderson failed to demonstrate on appeal that the trial court's decision with respect to disability discrimination and wrongful termination was based on disability and her finding was unsupported by substantial evidence. And now our fraud report. Amgen, a California-based biotechnology company, has agreed to pay the United States nearly $25 million to settle allegations that it violated the False Claims Act. The settlement resolves allegations that Amgen paid kickbacks to long-term care pharmacy providers Omnicare, Pharma America Corporation, and Kindred Healthcare Incorporated in return for implementing therapeutic interchange programs that were designed to switch Medicare and Medicaid beneficiaries from a competitor drug to Amgen's Aranicep. The government alleged that the kickbacks took the form of performance-based rebates that were tied to market share or volume thresholds. 
The government further alleged that Amgen distributed materials to consultant pharmacists and nursing home staff, encouraging the use of Aranicep for patients who did not have anemia associated with chronic renal failure. This civil settlement resolves a lawsuit filed under the Key Tom or Whistleblower provisions of the False Claims Act, which allows private citizens with knowledge of false claims to bring civil actions on behalf of the United States and share in any recovery. This resolution is part of the Healthcare Fraud Prevention and Enforcement Action Team Initiative, which was announced by Attorney General Eric Holder and Kathleen Sebelius, Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, back in 2009. The Justice Department's total recoveries in False Claims Act cases since January 2009 are over $14 billion. The claims settled by this agreement are allegations only, and there has been no determination of liability or culpability on the part of Amgen. The U.S. attorney is conducting an investigation to determine if Pacific Hospital of Long Beach paid kickbacks to physicians so they would refer their patients there for spine surgery. Michael D. Drobo built a Southern California business empire centered on treating people with back problems, many of them workers' compensation patients. At the head of the operation is Pacific Hospital of Long Beach, a 104-bed facility that Mr. Drabo bought in 1997 and turned into a spine surgery center. FBI agents raided the hospital and another company owned by Drabo earlier this month as part of what the agency termed a fraud investigation. People familiar with the investigation say it is focused on allegations that Drabo operated a kickback scheme under which he allegedly paid doctors thousands of dollars for each spine surgery they referred to Pacific Hospital. Under California's anti-kickback statute, it is illegal to pay money to induce patient referrals. The practice is also illegal under federal law, if the patients referred are insured by government health programs such as Medicare or Medicaid. Drabo and the hospital categorically denied accusations of impropriety. <clears throat> Pacific Hospital is a prolific spine surgery facility. Between 2001 and 2010, it performed about 5,000 spinal fusions on workers' compensation patients and billed about $500 million for them, three times as much as any other hospital in California. Spine surgery is among the most profitable businesses for hospitals nationwide. In California's workers' compensation system, it can be even more lucrative because hospitals are allowed to bill separately for spinal implants creating room for abuse. Along with Pacific Hospital, Drabo owns a spinal implant distributorship. Federal agents are investigating allegations he paid surgeons who agreed to use his distributorship's implants $15,000 for each lumbar fusion and $7,500 for each cervical fusion they performed at Pacific Hospital. Surgeons who didn't use his implants were allegedly paid smaller sums. Drabo's distributorship resold implants made by Alphetic Holdings Incorporated. Pacific Hospital allegedly marked up the Alphetic implants in excess of the labor code limits. Alphetic's general counsel said the firm let its contract with Drabo expire earlier this year after he violated it, they say, by charging excessive prices. 
Indio resident, 57-year-old Jesse Garcia Contreras and his son, 32-year-old Carlos Contreras of Bermuda Dunes, have each pleaded not guilty to six felony counts of workers' compensation insurance fraud. They both face up to 19 years and eight months in prison if convicted. Contreras is president and CEO of Thousand Palms-based Sunshine Landscape, and his son Carlos Contreras is the company's accounting director. Sunshine Landscaping contracts with many homeowners associations and businesses in the Coachella Valley. An 18-month investigation showed that the defendants allegedly defrauded the state fund and other insurance companies out of nearly $1.5 million. The case was investigated by the Inland Empire Premium Fraud Task Force following a complaint made by Zenith Insurance Company. And in regulatory news, the DWC has proposed revised regulations for the assessment of administrative penalties for workers' compensation information systems reporting violations. These revisions have been posted to an online forum where members of the public may review them and make comments. The DWC has also posted a revised version of the California EDI Implementation Guide for First and Subsequent Reports of Injury a necessary tool in the electronic reporting of claim data to WCIS. The proposed administrative penalty regulations authorize the DWC to assess administrative penalties up to $5,000 per year for a failure to report claim information or the failure to report such information accurately to WCIS. The DWC invites interested persons to participate in this important process by visiting the forum section on its website. The WCIRB has completed its report on 2012 insurer loss and premium experience. This report is based on data reported by insurers who wrote almost 100% of the statewide market. California written premium for calendar year 2012 was approximately $12.5 billion. This was about 16% higher than 2011 and 42% higher than 2009. The projected industry average charged rate was $2.60 per $100 of payroll. This was about 12% above the rate charged for 2011 and 24% above 2009. The WCIRB projects a combined loss and expense ratio of 136% for 2011, which is comparable to the 2009 and 2010 projections. The WCIRB estimates that the combined loss and expense ratio for 2012 will be 127%. The combined ratios for the last four years are the highest since 2001. Los Angeles City Controller Wendy Gruel published a new audit raising serious concerns about the city's workers' compensation salary continuation program. Her audit finds potential savings of over $5 million annually by bringing the city's non-sworn employee payment program in line with other jurisdictions in the state. Los Angeles pays an employee's full salary for the first 52 weeks after an injury. As all disability pay is tax-exempt, 
The city's policy creates the potential for earning more than 100% of salary, and in some cases, employees earn more while on disability leave than while working. Gruel called on the responsible departments and city leaders to reduce the benefit. The audit also evaluated system controls to prevent overpayments. The audit identified $127,000 in overpayments due primarily to departments' failure to terminate salary continuation payments following the 52-week period. Gruel has conducted more than 80 audits and claims she uncovered more than $160 million that the city has lost to wasteful spending, fraudulent activity, and abuse of city resources. A battle between professional athletes and owners of football, baseball, basketball, hockey, and soccer teams is raging in Sacramento. Dozens of retired athletes held a news conference on the steps of the state capitol to denounce a bill that would make it harder for them to file workers' compensation claims in California. AB 1309 seeks to close what some see as a legal loophole that allows out-of-state players to file claims for compensation for sports injuries. Opposing the bill are players and their unions. The DWC has invited interesting members of the public to a May 7th meeting to discuss the most efficient means of communication with Maximus Federal Services, the organization that will provide independent medical and bill reviews. Officials from Maximus will present an overview of how the requests for independent medical review and independent bill review are to be processed. Workers' compensation carriers and third-party administrators are encouraged to join in this discussion. Maximus is a for-profit privatizing company that services government, health, and human services agencies in the United States, Australia, Canada, Saudi Arabia, and the United Kingdom. Maximus focuses on administering government-sponsored programs such as Medicaid, the Children's Health Insurance Program, health care reform, welfare to work, Medicare and child support enforcement. The company has nearly 9,000 employees and reported annual revenue of about $1 billion. Over its nearly 40-year history, it has not been without criticism. Back in 2010, the Los Angeles Times reported that almost 150 medical workers, including doctors, nurses, and pharmacists, were allowed to keep working despite failing drug tests. Maximus had been awarded a $2.5 million a year contract to run California's confidential diversion programs, but contracted the work out to a subcontractor. But this subcontractor was using the wrong drug test, resulting in medical workers who tested positive for drugs to continue working. In October 2006, state lawmakers in Wisconsin called for the termination of a Maximus contract, saying the firm has broken faith with the state and poor people. The agency serves in Milwaukee County. Back in November 1997, the Hartford Curant reported that Maximus got minimal results after it was hired by the state of Connecticut to manage a child care program for recipients of welfare. Journalist claims that Maximus hired too few people, installed an inadequate phone system, and fell weeks or months behind in making payments to daycare providers.
A new CWCI injury scorecard, Poisonings and Toxic Effects Injury Claims, finds that these claims often involve nonspecific or ill-defined diagnoses, are more likely than other claims to involve attorneys and permanent disability payments, they take longer to close, result in above-average loss payments, and result in a disproportionate share of them being filed by Los Angeles County residents. The CWCI compiled data from about 170,000 open and closed claims. Medical indemnity payments on those claims totaled nearly $3.1 billion. During the 11-year span of the study, poisoning and toxic effects cases accounted for 7.7% of California's workers' compensation claims, but 10.1% of workers' compensation lost payments. More than one out of every five of these injuries resulted in a permanent disability payment. Nearly two-thirds of the lost time claims in this category involved an attorney, and PD claims in this category took longer to close than other PD claims. During the pre-reform era of 2001 to 2003, average paid losses on these claims were below the average for all claims. But lost payments on these claims never declined following the 2002 2004 workers' compensation reforms, and losses have remained above average since 2004. And with that, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.